Hello and welcome to Homestead Hens and Honey, a beekeeping, chicken keeping and general homesteading podcast. I'm your host, Gemma, and today I am back after a long absence with lots of news about my little homestead. So first things first, I apologise for disappearing so abruptly. I just completely reached my limit and I couldn't bring myself to write anything, let alone sit down and record something. It's been an exhausting few years for all of us, I'm sure, with the pandemic. And then the cancer scare that I had over last Christmas, my back diagnosis and some continued mental health struggles, it just really wore me out. I definitely prefer to retreat and hermit when things get tough. And on top of that, social media is so performative and it kind of puts me off it generally. So I just couldn't face posting or interacting or even being social on that level. Uh, But again, I did sort of disappear from view and and I apologise about that. So even though I've largely been absent from the public, uh, I have been working away on the homestead as usual over the last year. I've made some changes, I've had success and failure, and I even briefly fell victim to the infamous chicken math. As I usually do, I'm going to list the goals that I set for myself for 2022, and then I'm going to discuss what I achieved and what I didn't, as well as what kind of goals I am considering for this new year. Now, I'm going to put the link to my blog in the episode description, and I will link to the blog post where I did my 2021 wrap up, and also a link directly to the podcast episode on that subject. So, 2022 goals. I wanted to focus on my overall health and find ways to keep gardening without straining my back. I wanted to build or buy a long langstroth. Uh, Horizontal hives require less heavy lifting and I was really curious to see how this would work in terms of management, particularly next to or in comparison with my top bar hive. I said I would keep focusing on the health of my colonies, including a strong build-up for nucleus colonies with feeding, mite treatments, regular inspections, etc. Get more chickens. I had my Orpingtons, um, including one who turned out to be a rooster, but I also ordered um, six pullets for pickup in March 2022, two Welsomers, two Easter Eggers, and two Frizzle Easter Eggers. I wanted to expand my corn patch, try my hand at growing cucumbers, and also wanted to see if I could get a pumpkin patch going. I said I would buy more peonies since they're my favourite flower. I would continue to plant sunflowers and wildflowers everywhere I could. And the big thing that I set for myself in 2022 was to deal with my neglected side bed. It keeps going on the list every year until it gets done. Now, I spoke to my husband about hiring a landscape company to actually do the hard work here because there's just so much that needed to be done. And although it really chaps my hide to be a homesteader paying others to come in and fix my garden for me. It's a compromise that I set for myself. I also wanted to look into tools and equipment that might help with weeding and heavy lifting in the garden without adding additional strain to my back. I said I would learn to knit and I would learn to spin if I could find somewhere locally that um, taught that. I would continue learning about fibre arts and making things that make me happy. I get back into swimming regularly now that the gym is open. And I said I wanted to visit my bestie in Canada as soon as it was safe to do so. And I wanted to visit my mum and my brother in England. So those were the goals that I set for myself in uh, for 2022. And here's what I actually achieved. <laughs> Let's start with the positives. So... I definitely focused on my health and I did find ways to keep gardening and homesteading without damaging my back. 
Mostly this involved modifying how I do certain things, being careful not to lift anything too heavy, and asking for help. My husband has been really great about helping me move heavy heavy items around in the garden, and I've also learned to ask for assistance when I'm shopping at the feed store. I'm still really not comfortable asking others to help me but I am getting there and as a result my back has actually been doing really really well and touch wood I haven't had a um, a severe flare-up of pain or pulled anything or um, caused any further issues there. In terms of focusing on the health and the overall build-up of my honeybee colonies I'm going to do a full update on the hives um, at the end of this section. I think I'll just say now that this was mostly a success, but as always, there's room for improvement. I went into spring with two surviving colonies before losing one to one of our typical Ohio cold snaps, where everything seems like spring is here and then boom, we're below freezing again. I also bought home one package, which I put in the top bar hive, and I picked up four nucleus colonies. I set a goal to get more chickens, and I achieved that goal, definitely. I picked up the pre-ordered six pullets from Mayer's Hatchery in March, but I also ended up with four chicks in the summer, two raised by my broody hens, and two bought at Mayer's Hatchery. And I adopted two adult hens from a neighbour. At one point in late summer, I had 22 chickens and was under very strict instructions not to get any more. Sadly, that number has actually dropped down now to just under 20 chickens because of a few losses. And again, I will go into detail about this later on in the episode. Expanding the corn patch, I did increased the corn patch but I actually didn't have a great success with my harvest. Growing cucumbers, yes this was super fun and it went really really well. I probably will recommend cucumbers to anyone who is new to vegetable gardening because they're just prolific, they produce so much even in our super short seasons and I am definitely planning on uh, growing more this year. Buying more peonies. Yes, I bought two new plants and I have them, I had them well established before the cooler weather set in and I'm very excited to see what they will do in the spring. Dealing with the long neglected side bed. Yes, it's done. I hired a landscaper and they dug the entire garden up. And I also hired a designer to help me turn it into something beautiful, specifically only using native and or pollinator plants. And I also wanted the plants to be as low maintenance as possible because I have a limited amount of time I can spend in the garden weeding before my back becomes an issue. Now, this whole process of hiring a landscaper, having them do the dig, speaking with the designer, having her coordinate with the landscapers and so on, took way longer than I expected. And for quite a long period of time, that side bed was just a huge pile of earth and weeds. But thankfully, it was finally all sorted in the fall. And I'm excited to really dig into it in the spring. So our designer came up with this absolutely incredible plan, but the price of doing the full plan at once was absolutely ridiculously over budget. So instead, we are doing it in sections. So for what I needed help with, we had the landscapers come out and they dug up all of the beds. And in the center of the circular bed, I think I've mentioned before that there were concrete chunks which limited what I could put in there because the concrete was about four to five inches underneath the soil. And they actually dug all the concrete out. And this was part of what made things more expensive because that was a huge job. There was a lot more concrete in that area than we thought. 
Uh, we also had the tree stumps removed. And again, that was a lot more work than they anticipated. Apparently, it was an extremely hard wood and they had to bring in um, more specialized equipment to get rid of it. And then we leveled that whole area. So before it was sort of a raised area in the middle and different levels around it. And I just had them level everything. Then it was mulched and using existing rocks and boulders that we already had there, they set out uh, borders for like very large beds. I had any invasive plants and bushes removed and we replaced them with natives. And actually one of the lilac bushes that was on the other side of my property, we dug that up and moved it over. It's going to do a lot better in the new location I've always worried about it because it just doesn't get enough sun where it was before. And then the plan moving forward is using the, the uh, design that I've got, I will add, you know, maybe four to six plants every spring until the final design is achieved. And I'm really looking forward to that. I love being able to tick things off a to-do list. So having a list of plants that I need to get each spring and put in, it feels manageable and it feels fun. I set a goal to learn to knit and I'm including this as something I achieve, but meh. So I did learn to knit. I took a class. I made some cute little fingerless gloves, but then I didn't knit anything after that. Uh, I just keep getting distracted by crochet. Crochet just comes really naturally to me in a way that knitting doesn't. And so it's just been easy not to pick up the knitting needles and to just keep grabbing that crochet hook. But I'm going to try and find some projects that I could be excited about and maybe give knitting another go. I said I would keep making things that make me happy. And that's definitely true. I've been crocheting a lot. I've made a handful of pretty things that I'm very, very proud of. And... Um, when I originally wrote this episode, I was working on another giant snail crochet project. That's actually finished now. Right now, I'm working on wearables, my first true wearables. So instead of like shawls or a scarf, I'm working on a sweater and a poncho. And it's definitely a challenge, but I'm enjoying getting it done. I set the goal to get back to swimming regularly, and this has been a huge success. The biggest part of what made me be able to stick to a schedule of getting out and swimming as much as I could was that I moved gyms. So I had been using the university gym um, because it's so affordable and it's super convenient. But once COVID hit, they just have been making the swim or the open swim times more and more restrictive. They've also massively cut the budget. So there's not a lot of people available to actually work as lifeguards. And I think that's the biggest problem that they're having. They'd also just randomly cancel open swim without making an announcement. So I could like get there, you know, go in, get changed, be in my swimsuit, come out. And then someone would just be like, oh no, I'm sorry, we're not doing swimming today. Or you'd get there and the swim team would have decided to drop by and take up all the lanes, which it's the swim team, that's fine, but they would do it on a whim. And so sometimes I would get there and be kicked out of the pool or wouldn't be able to swim because there was literally not a single lane available for open swim. And again, no announcement in advance, no one told me at the desk, there's no sign up. So you get ready, you're in your swimsuit, you come out and they're just like, sorry, you have to go back. So I really never knew if I was going to be able to swim or not when I went, which was stressful and really annoying. I put time aside to do it and I hate losing that time. On top of this, the changing rooms are really old and very cold. There's often not heating. There's very rarely hot water. And honestly, what was the final straw for me were two things. One was I noticed blood, like a puddle, a small puddle of blood on the floor of the bathroom that wasn't cleaned for a week. And then someone brought a tour of prospective students through the changing room while I was in the middle of changing. They did not check to make sure it was empty. They just brought them through. 
Thankfully, I was not naked at the time, but it was really embarrassing for me and the prospective students who looked very awkward. (laughs) So long story short, I decided that I really needed another gym. And I go to this massive medical complex where a ton of different specialty doctors are all in one area. There's an emergency room and there's a gym. So I reached out and I found out if I could uh, do a tour. And then I found out if I could do like a trial period. And it was just so much better. The hours are fantastic. The changing rooms are clean. There's actually hot water all the time. And the price of it per month was more in line with what I wanted to pay. So even though I'm paying more than I did when I was at the university gym, it's just so much better. Like everything is better there. So I'm super happy I made the change. It's a lot easier to go even when it's absolutely frigid outside because I know I'm not going to be faced with a cold changing room, cold water, and then a possible pool closure. What's really nice is that in the time I've been a member at my new gym, the pool at the location that I prefer has closed, but they would put an announcement out in advance and I have two other locations that aren't much further away that I can go to to swim. So it's just super convenient and I'm a very happy, splashy little seal. A big goal was to visit my bestie in Canada, which I did. Yay! So I flew out to Newfoundland at the end of June and we had a really amazing time. It is so beautiful there. There were times when I felt that I had just hiked into some magical fairyland. We squeezed it as much as we could, uh, mostly sort of hiking and going out to see natural vistas. um, And then also in the evenings, trying out different restaurants and bars. And it went really well until the very last few days when my friend caught COVID. And then I got it from her. Thankfully, I was back in the US before I tested positive. I was so worried. I did do a test when I was there and I was really worried that I was going to get stuck in Canada because Canada is beautiful and I loved it there, but it's also expensive and I had to get home to help my husband with the homestead. So um, I tested negative in Canada, but by the time I got home, I was a strong positive and kind of under the weather. But It was incredible. I really, really hope I can go again soon. It was just, it's just so amazing. And it was so wonderful to see my friend again. All right. So what goals did I not achieve? I did not build or purchase a long Langstroth. I couldn't find the time to build anything. Lumber prices have also been really high during this pandemic And I had no luck finding anyone near me who makes them. I do want to get this done. And I've spoken to my husband about it. And right now we're trying to decide between building it ourselves and purchasing. Because one of my local beekeeping supply stores has just announced that they will be selling long Langstroths starting this spring. The downside is that they're $425, which isn't terrible considering the price of lumber, but I would really like to save money this year. Last year was very expensive for us between like the Canada trip, my um, um, landscaping that we had done, and then all three of our dogs had emergency vet visits at some time last year, and I had a chicken <laughs> that had an expensive vet visit. So we're just really trying to like save as much as we can. So we're going to wait and see on this one. Um, I would prefer to build, but I will definitely need my husband's help for that because I'm useless when it comes to building things. The pumpkin patch. I set up two different pumpkin mounds and the plants grew lots of vines and they did flower, but I never got any fruit. And I think some of the issue was the location And some was the super short season that we had last year. Spring was a blip and summer's always very short here. So there just wasn't enough time. 
I think this spring I will try a new location that gets even more sun and I'm probably going to buy starter plants or start my seeds indoors so that they're ready to go out the minute the ground is warm enough. My corn bed. So I did expand the corn patch, but I didn't harvest any corn. Again, I think the seeds just went in the ground way too late due to how cold and long um, the cold weather was through spring. And then I got distracted because I was planning for my Canada trip. So I think I just got the seeds in the ground way too late and the plants didn't have a chance to develop properly before we lost the sun. So this year, again, I'm going to plant much sooner. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I might do some soil amendments to really make sure that there's enough um, nutrients there for them and just cross my fingers. Sunflowers. This <laughs> 2022 was the first year I got almost no sunflowers to grow. I think I had two of them. It was very sad. I don't know if the seeds were too old or again, I put them in too late. But it was a bust. I'm definitely going to try again, though. I really, really love sunflowers. In terms of investigating tools and equipment to help with weeding specifically and which are easy on my back, not really. I looked into options like raised beds for spring so that I don't have to bend down or kneel as much as before. And I have spent a little bit of time bookmarking websites that sell gardening tools for those with mobility issues but that's it I haven't purchased anything I haven't gone to look at stuff in stores I'm kind of running behind on this one I wanted to learn to spin but I couldn't find a local class the nearest one was almost two hours away and that's just not possible for me but I'm keeping an eye out this is still something I'd really love to do Visiting my family in England? No. Between various doctor appointments, the homestead, my Canada trip, getting COVID, and then all the stuff that went on with my dogs this year, I had no time. My mum has also been really busy with her mother, my nan, who's 94 and needing that extra help and care. So I think even if I had been able to go, it would have been very hard to schedule time with her. I am hoping my mum can visit me this year. It's something that we've wanted to do for a while. She really loved getting to stay with us previously. And I finally renewed my British passport. So that's one thing that I've had on my to-do list for a long time. And I finally got to tick that off. So that was great. Now, I didn't add this to my original goal list, um, but I wanted to breed my pink tongue skinks last year after I'd given them some time off. And much to my disappointment, none of my girls got pregnant. And I really don't know what happened. Uh, Europa really seemed to be pregnant for a long time, but produced nothing. And then I tried Pandora with a new male and nothing happened there either. But this year, I am cautiously optimistic. I have Europa with her regular mate, Titan. Pandora is with one of the skinks I imported from Europe, which is definitely showing signs of being a boy. I have a suspected female in with another of my imports. And I paired my proven male breeder Hyperion with what I suspect is a female. And based on what I caught them doing the other day, I think it's pretty firm that she is indeed a female. So if even one pair of these four produces for me, I'm going to be so happy. I have missed getting to work with the babies and I've felt a lot of guilt that I haven't been able to provide some of my very patient customers with a baby. This species is just so fun and rewarding. But this is kind of the challenge with the pink tongue skinks. They're very difficult to sex reliably and then they breed once a year. So if your pair doesn't take, you just have to wait another year and that's it. Okay, so let me see what we're doing for time. All right, good. So what I'm going to do now is talk about goals that I have set for myself and this is a modest 
list. I really want to keep things as simple as possible this year. I often just felt so overwhelmed in 2022 because there were always a million things that had to be done and I had a long list of things that I wanted to accomplish and I was really struggling with like my health physically and my mental health and so really I want to simplify things as best I can and keep things manageable. So in terms of homestead goals, the biggest one actually is um, putting up fencing around the side property and up behind the chicken coops and the apiary. We have consistently had stray dogs or I guess, are they stray? They're usually owned by people who just don't care that swing by the property. And thankfully, we haven't actually had any real issues with them attacking the chickens. But last fall, we had a husky come over onto the property. He came over and realised the chickens were a lot of fun. I spoke to the owners, they assured me it wouldn't happen again, and the husky was more playful than it was sort of going after them aggressively, like prey-driven. But sadly, the husky came back within two weeks and it killed one of my well summers. And this is actually my husband, or she was my husband's favourite hen. So he was absolutely furious and devastated, bless his heart. He really bonded with a number of the chickens when he was taking care of them for me while I was in Canada. So aside from the fact that, you know, the neighbours did reimburse us, we did report them, we wanted them to get a ticket because we really wanted them to understand that this was serious. It really just made it clear that we can't control what other people do, but we can control our property. And so even though it's going to be a huge pain in the ass, and I suspect more expensive than I want it to be, we're going to work together to get some basic fencing up so that the chickens can still free roam the property. But I don't have to worry about neighbors' dogs just swanning in and terrorizing them. We're actually going to do it ourselves to save the money. So watch this space. I'm sure I'm going to be complaining about it quite a lot. Although actually, if anyone has any suggestions on really affordable fencing, I think probably like five foot should be suitable. I would greatly appreciate it. I'm also going to keep working on my vegetable gardens that I've already established, like the corn bed, the cucumber bed, my strawberries, tomato, bell peppers, herbs, things like that. And I'm going to set up raised beds and containers. So I actually received some of these as a gift for my birthday. And I'm really looking forward to getting them put together. I think because of how raised up they are, that it's going to be a lot easier on my back. So fingers crossed there. I am going to try again with pumpkins because I really love pumpkins. And then the big one is keeping my newly landscaped side bed weeded and to add some of the plants from our design plan to kind of start building it out. In terms of hive goals, I will keep working on health, staying on a good mite test and treatment program. I really want to be sure that this year I take time to just enjoy the bees. It's so easy to only go into a hive because there's stuff that has to be done. You know, you're looking for eggs, you're looking for your queen to be mated, you're making sure they're not swarming, you have to mite test, you have to do a treatment, etc. And I think sometimes that makes the whole process very work-driven in a way that can take away from just really enjoying being inside a healthy colony and getting to witness how they behave. So I want to be more cognizant of my time within the hive and just enjoy interacting with my bees. I'm going to be putting my top bar hive specifically on a treatment schedule because I seem to be having issues getting accurate readings doing the alcohol mite testing method. And I'll talk about this a bit later when I go into a very detailed description of what went on in my apiary last year. But this is a big thing for me. I don't like to treat on a schedule. 
because I don't want to treat if I don't need to. But I really am starting to think that I'm just not getting accurate mite levels for this specific colony when in this specific style of hive. I also want to catch up on the recent science. There has been so much interest in honeybees in the scientific community and a lot of awesome, really fascinating papers have been published over the last couple of years and I just feel like I'm so behind. My husband is so sweet. Every time he gets an alert about any kind of honeybee or native USB paper, he sends it to me. I now have a folder that's just chock-a-block with fascinating insights into the lives of various bee species and I really want to get into that maybe I'll do a couple of episodes with some summaries I don't know I think it's something that will make me really excited again about the science of beekeeping and then I want to continue supporting the new mentees that I picked up last year um I basically was asked to help out a retired couple who are really really into get like doing beekeeping properly and smartly and they're really wonderful people to work with and I want to continue being a source of support for them as they move into their um, second year. For personal goals I'm just going to keep swimming. Um, I when I first got into swimming I've always been, my strongest stroke is breaststroke. And I really wanted to get strong at backstroke. And so I spent a lot of time on that. And now I, those are my two strongest strokes. So that was successful. I have never been good at front crawl. I believe it's also called freestyle in the US. I've never been good at it. Uh, I have a hard time with the breathing pattern and not swallowing water and just really not very graceful so I've been working on that and I'm seeing improvement and a goal I would really like for this year is I would love by the end of this year to have a strong front crawl perfected. I'm going to keep working on my mental and physical health. I don't really have a choice about this. You know if you want to be a functional person you can't let things slide and you know, I've had such a hard time that I need to keep doing the things that I know work and being cognizant of falling into bad habits. I think I say this every year, I really want to have more time and more dates with my incredible husband, as I call him. Uh, When I was writing this episode in early January, he was actually in Borneo doing like a field work, a research project, um, and I missed him so much. We've always been good about doing our like weekly coffee dates and the occasional meal somewhere, but I just want to step up the quality time that I spend with him. We're coming up on 15 years of marriage and he's still my favorite person in the whole world. And I just want to make sure that he knows that always and that we continue to spend real quality time together. I also want to get back into creative writing. So when I was much younger, I was a prolific writer of short stories and poems, but I have barely written anything, I mean, aside from podcast episodes, in like 10 years. And I've had these two ideas for fiction books that I've been playing with and like writing a couple of sections of for years. And I'd like to flesh those out. Um, One in particular is heavily influenced by beekeeping and I'm really excited about it. But I'm not trying to set the bar too high here. Um, I'm not giving myself a time limit. I just want to start seeing if I can get into a habit of writing creatively and seeing where that takes me. Okay, so that's my goals achieved those that aren't that I set for myself last year and a discussion of the ones that I have set for myself for this year and if you want to share your goals I'd love to hear from you I will put my website in the episode description you can leave a comment there you can email me or you can find me on Instagram Instagram is probably where I'm most active I do still have a Facebook but I'm not on there very often So for the next thing I want to talk about is chicken math 
and I have titled this part of the episode, Chicken Math Strikes Again. So for the uninitiated, chicken math is a running joke among homesteaders and chicken enthusiasts, and it's based upon how many people say to themselves, okay, I will start with just four chickens. And then one day they wake up and they realize they have over 20 and they're not quite sure how that happened. And it's similar to something that we say in the greyhound adoption world, actually. Greyhounds are like potato chips. You can't have just one. Up until the past year, I'd actually done a really good job of avoiding falling foul of chicken math. I expanded my flock carefully with great forethought and planning. And then things kind of got a bit out of hand. So as I stated previously, I brought six pullets home in March and actually seeing them in the coop made me realise that six was quite a lot. But I thought, okay, I can make this work. And then as the pullets started reaching sexual maturity, one of them, my black frizzle Easter egg Adalia, went broody. And I've wanted to try raising chicks naturally since the disaster that happened with Cheddar. Uh, For anyone who needs a reminder, I let Cheddar sit on eggs. She hatched a chick and then her, and I'm pretty sure Cracker, killed it. And I found it dying and I had to dispatch it myself and it was really awful. So when Dahlia went broody, she was in the small special needs coop away from the main flock. And I decided that this was a safer environment and I would let her sit on some of the Orpington eggs because those are the only chickens that are with the rooster. So those are the only fertile eggs. Now, out of the six to eight eggs that she sat on, only one hatched actually on Litha, which is the midsummer solstice. And it was this beautiful dark chick who grew into a huge and gorgeous red hen who I've called Litha due to the date of her birth. Now, once Litha was a young adult, Dahlia went broody again. And this time, her sister, my white frizzle Easter egg of Petal, caught the broodiness and decided that she also wanted to be a mum. So I put eggs under both of them. And once again, the hatch rate was really, really poor. I don't think my rooster is doing a good job of fertilising eggs. So we're getting like one chick per eight sat on eggs. And this time, the what, the single chick that hatched, which again was under Dahlia, was an absolutely gorgeous grey or lavender chick. And around this time, I realised that the eggs that Petal were on were all duds. And then I got a little email from my local chicken hatchery that had a bargain bin of female chicks that you could choose at random from. So you wouldn't know exactly what you were getting unless you were really good at identifying chicks of the various breeds but it could be any of the breeds that they regularly produce and you could buy as little or as many of them as you wanted to and they were like two dollars fifty each so I thought okay instead of having petal sit even longer on eggs most of which apparently are bad I went and I picked up three chicks these are day like a couple of days old chicks and I went in and I put them under petal now sadly one of the chicks passed away the very first night but the other two have thrived and soon my small coop had two mamas the frizzles two increasingly ginormous orpington hens and two mystery pullets now around this time my husband started to ask me intrusive questions like just how many chickens do we have now? And are you sure the big coop can house all these hens? And so, you know, I sat down, I did a little math, and it turned out that I had 19 chickens, one rooster and 18 hens. Ah, that was a little bit more than I planned on. So I promised my husband that I would not get any more chickens. And then my neighbour reached out to me was there any way that I would take her remaining hens? She'd started with a flock of about 10, but a local hawk had been picking them off one by one. Her run was uncovered, so it was basically a hawk buffet. And she ended up with just two left, 
who were traumatized and lonely. Now, I will say to my great shame, I didn't even ask my husband. I just immediately was like, yes, yes, I will have the hens. Thank you very much. And we went to get them that evening. He took it in stride. He's he's very patient with me. So we went to pick up those hens. I called them Betty and Boo. And they went into my quarantine coop. So there was a period of time where all three coops had chickens in. And the poor babies were so traumatized from losing their flock that if a twig or a small branch fell anywhere near their coop, they would absolutely panic and freak out. They had clearly learned the hard lesson that death comes from above. Now, thankfully, these are really sweet, docile chickens. So we became friends pretty much instantly. And my chicken numbers continued to grow. Well, life sadly has a way of evening things out. So one day in the fall, I came out to the coop and I found my um, silver Orpington, Ophelia, in a really bad way. I actually thought she was dead when I found her initially. And then I was relieved to see that she was still with with us. And I immediately started running through my head what I could do to get her stable, situated and hopefully back on her feet. But tragically, while I was actually holding her in my arms to bring her inside, she died. And it was quite upsetting. When chickens die, they jerk and they flap and they kick quite a lot. It's uh, just a, a nervous system issue it's that whole thing where you hear like you know if you cut a chicken's head off it will run around a bit like that is true and so having to hold one of my girls through all that flapping and jerking and kicking was very distressing and partly what made it worse is that of my English Orpingtons that I absolutely adore she's one of my favorites so it was really really hard for her to pass although I'm glad I could be with her when it happened I immediately performed a necropsy at home and the first thing I noticed was an extremely small very soft heart and I think based on the size and the weakness of the heart muscle that it was probably a birth defect and that this was just the time when her heart just couldn't do it anymore and so it gave out and she died I ended up burying her out back with the hens that have come before her. And then we lost a well summer to that stupid dog. So, well, I shouldn't, it's not the dog's fault. The dog was a dog, the stupid owners. So now here we are. I still have more chickens than I might have originally intended, but not more than I can handle, she says confidently. The Orpington pullets are still in the small coop with the frizzle mamas, even though they are basically full size now. And the mystery chicks are mostly identifiable. So I went for a chick with feathered legs because I was hoping for a Brahma or a Cochin. Instead, I have a white silky, which is very exciting. I love silkies. And the other one is either a sapphire gem or something called a blue sexlink easter egger that Maya Hatchery has been working on producing. I'll post a link to that on my blog. It's quite interesting. But here's my new conundrum. The silky and the sapphire or the easter egger are bantams, aka miniature chickens. And I can't introduce them to my primary flock because I'm really worried they'll be hurt. Because my rooster is huge. If he tried to mount them, he could legitimately harm them. So my plan is that I'll keep the bantam separate in the small coop. But two hens does not make a flock. So I might have to get two more bantams to keep them company. Now that's more chickens, isn't it? Well, it's fine. I'm sure we can make it work. I'd really, really love to get a buff or splash silky. So watch this space. I did want to do my big hive news update at this point, but we're coming up on about 45 minutes and I don't want this episode to end up being like an hour and a half, two hours long. So I'm going to stop here today. I will record the 
archive information for my next episode, which I'll release just a week after this one goes live. So you won't have very long to wait. Before I go, um, I would like to just do some personal updates that um, I, you know, I like to do at the end of an episode. So for anyone who just isn't interested in like navel gazing or anything to do with my personal information and news and stuff, um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with me during my absence. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join me for my next episode where I'm going to go in detail of a breakdown of everything I did in my apiary last year. For those of you who are comfortable sticking around, I just want to put up a quick disclaimer that I'm going to discuss some medical, reproductive and mental health issues. So if any of that would be upsetting or triggering for you, just I would recommend stopping now. I'm going to keep this pretty short. Um, Last year was a challenge for a number of reasons, some of which I talked about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, I had COVID at one point. All three of my dogs required emergency vet care at one point in the year, um, including Chappie, who had just spontaneous pneumonia while I had COVID, so I couldn't be with him, I couldn't let him sleep in the bed with me, and I was just a wreck about it. I just, uh, that dog is just my soul, and I was so upset. And then on top of that, Luna, my female whippet, has had these hot spots and skin itchies that we cannot get to the bottom of. Um, We're actually considering paying to see a doggy dermatologist at this point, and that just continues to be an expense, mainly because the one drug that works really well to stop dogs from itching is the only drug on the market for it, so it's extremely expensive. All of that, um, the emergency care, the continued vet care for Luna, everything that was just incredibly expensive. And then I had the landscaping done, which ended up being double what I wanted to pay for it. And so, you know, I was just worrying a lot about the money going out compared to what was coming in. Um, And then I had some family drama back home in England that brought up a lot of like really ugly feelings at a time when I was already not doing great. And then in August, I had a minor surgery. So I actually had my fallopian tubes removed so that I could come off birth control. Uh, There were a couple of reasons for this. One is that, as I have discussed previously, um, I'm high risk for breast cancer. And they really recommend that you come off all forms of hormonal birth control if you are high risk. Now, I had a marina which is not usually considered in that list. They're talking more about the uh, implants or injections or pills, like daily pills. But, you know, it just felt like the right time um, with Roe versus Wade being overturned. And I actually live in a state that is trying really hard to make it illegal to terminate ectopic pregnancies, which just so you know, are never viable. That An ectopic pregnancy cannot survive. And ectopic pregnancies are very common, or not very common, they are more likely to occur for people who have IUDs. So it just seemed like a really good time to get rid of my marina and have my tubes out. (laughs) So I will say, um, I really recommend the procedure to anyone who's been considering it. Recovery went super well. I was back to swimming and hauling around hive boxes within two weeks of the surgery. My husband, my friends, my medical care team, they all took the best care of me. And I have to admit, I just kind of happily basked in all the love during my recovery at home. I spent most of that first week reading, doing crochet, and protecting my stomach from Luna, who likes to climb and sit on top of me. For anyone who has pets that do this, I very much recommend just having a pillow over your stomach whenever you sit down. That really works. Now, not long after my own surgery, I had a very good friend who had her own medical issues and then had to schedule not like an emergency like within 48 hours, but an emergency as in within a few weeks surgery that would have a very long recovery period. And there was a moment in time where I was ready to hop on a plane within 24 hours to go out and be there for her. But thankfully, things kind of came together. Her family pulled through and everything fell into place. And she had the surgery and her recovery and her care team 
managed to sort it out. But it was a very anxious, worrisome time. And then this past Christmas was surprisingly hard for me. Um, I think that the breast cancer scare that I had in Christmas for 2021 and that the holiday is also the anniversary of me cutting my father out of my life. I think those two things kind of got on top of me. Um, I do think it was more the breast cancer than the dad thing. Uh, I haven't spoken to my dad in over three years and in many ways it's been really good. It's really healthy for me to not have him in my life. But I think the breast cancer thing then was what was really on my mind. And it doesn't help that in December I had my routine mammogram and they found something new. Uh, So now I have been scheduled for another diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound um, to make sure that this new asymmetry that they found isn't malignant. And I'm not really anxious about it. Uh, I'm mainly just sort of tired. I don't want this to be something that happens every year. Every year they find something new. Every year I go through the stress of additional procedures. And frankly, I'm just tired of being poked and prodded and having my boobs squished. It's not fun for anyone. Um, So that's sort of me summing up 2022 in a nutshell. I'm still fighting the good fight with my depression. I'm still having issues with my tits. And... I'm really looking forward to what I really, I know I say this every year, I just hope this year will be quiet. I hope that I can continue to heal and I just hope I don't get any new medical diagnoses thrown my way. And if you're listening, I hope you are doing well. I hope you have not been through anything too dramatic. And if you have and you're really struggling, my heart goes out to you. I I understand that it can be so difficult and I hope that you will reach out for help and that you have a support team of friends, family, medical caregivers who can be there for you. And let's just all hope that 2023 is going to be really kind to us. That would be rather nice. So with all that out of the way, um, I will go now and start working on my next episode, which, like I said, I will release in one week. So there's not too much of a wait for anyone who's listening. And as always, I'm going to leave you by saying... Remember, hug your hands and then wash your hands. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.